The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome in. It is a football Sunday, football Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. After what was an eventful Sunday of New York football, but not a successful Sunday of New York football as the Jets lose to the Buffalo Bills and the Giants get absolutely walloped and steamrolled by the Philadelphia Eagles. But to me, and this is how we're going to start this particular podcast, there was a startling difference in what you saw on the field Sunday from each of the respective New York football locals. One of the New York football locals looked like a team who belonged. They looked like a team who could hang with the big boys. The other looked like a team that had no business being on the same field as their particular opponent. And I'm going to start with the giant debacle out at MetLife Stadium. And I hate to say this because we have been preaching so many positives all year surrounding the Giants and their ability to overachieve and how well they've been coached and how tough they have been. Let's call it like it is. This game was over. From freaking Jump Street. The Philadelphia Eagles could have done whatever they wanted to do against the New York Giants. And maybe it's the Giants being fearful and not having McKinney and not having a Dory Jackson in the secondary. And Wink Martindale feels he cannot call the same sort of defensive schematics and plays 
that he's able to call, you know, earlier in the year. Jalen Hurts had his way. Miles Sanders had his way. I, I mean, the Eagles scored 48 points. They could have put up 60 if they really wanted to. I mean, Jalen Hurts didn't have a guy in his face the entire game. Sanders is running for eight and a half yards a clip. A.J. Brown scores. Devontae Smith scores. I don't know what Love was doing on that fourth down play. That's one of the worst breakdowns you're ever going to see from a safety. And then I got the announcer crew basically calling him a superstar. Listen, Julian Love's a nice little player. The, the idea that we're putting superstar and him in the same sentence is insulting the superstars across the board in the NFL. This was just an absolute ass whooping every which way. And it's the sort of game that makes you seriously wonder. And I'm not being dramatic by saying this. Are the Giants going to win another game this year? Honest question. Are the Giants going to win another game this year? Before you tell me Indianapolis, before you tell me Washington, why exactly? They got nobody who scares you. Saquon Barkley was clearly hurt. The burst, the explosiveness that he had at the beginning of the year, he looks like, I don't want to rag on the guy because he's hurt, but he looked like the, the version of Saquon Barkley that we saw last season. The Giants have no prayer of beating a team like the Eagles. They don't got a prayer of beating anybody for that matter if they don't have Saquon giving you chunk plays because there's, there's nobody who scares you. And if you want to get on the quarterback and tell me that he didn't light the world on fire, sure, be my guest. It's not like he turned the ball over four or five times. Who is there to make a play for this quarterback? The answer is nobody. That was an eye-opening and humbling ass-whooping. The Eagles and the Giants, they're not even in the same stratosphere as talent. And we kind of knew that going into the year. Remember, the Giants cut James Bradbury. The Eagles picked up James Bradbury. Kind of tells you what both teams thought about their particular chances in this 2022 season. The Giants didn't expect to do anything this year. This was a free reset type of a year. That's why I'm not like distraught about, you know, the regime and the coach and Jim. They're not any good. They have overachieved. They've done more than you could have hoped for all year. But when you're at a point when you're seven to two, you're saying, yeah, I want to make the playoffs. We're now at a point in the year where you got to be real. The chances of the Giants making the playoffs have dipped under 50%. Now, they get some help with Seattle losing today. The Lions winning is a big problem. And the Giants and their fans are going to be big-time fans in the New York Jets next week. And then this game with the Commanders. Hey, you beat the Commanders. You're right where you need to be. But do I think the Giants are as good as the Commanders right now? No, I do not. This was this is a tough game to watch across the board on Sunday. Really, really tough game to watch. Now. The team that did show fight, the team that absolutely proved to me they belong in the conversation as far as a playoff team, as far as a team that can go and hold their own, the Jets, again, and I know it's a loss, and I don't want to be pounding my chest and waving pom-poms after the Jets lose another game that was maybe there for the taking. Not as much as a Minnesota game, in my opinion. But it's a game in which they competed. It's a game in which they showed you all sorts of fight defensively, and you also learned that your starting quarterback for now 
Mike White, he's a tough son of a gun. I mean, holy smokes. In, in all seriousness, how did Mike White go back into the game and, and survive this game against the Buffalo Bills? I mean, I don't know about you guys and gals. I'm still hurting from the hit he took from Matt Milano. Like, uh, that was like a soul-crushing type of hit. Full speed. Boom! Taking it right in the ribs. And you could tell he was hurting throughout the entire game. He left the game the first time Flacco comes in. Then he comes back into the game and Tony Romo's all over it. Daniel LaRusso's going to fight. I mean, you love it. And he made some throws. But it was too little too late for the New York Jets. Bottom line. Didn't do enough early in the game. The C.J. Mosley offside was a killer penalty at the end of the first half. Because instead of you looking at a nothing-nothing game, Buffalo probably punting, Jets taking the ball conservatively, I'm sure, right at the end of the first half, Buffalo scores and it's 7 nothing. So when you get the Bam Knight touchdown to tie the game, that's exactly what it did. It tied the game and you're not taking the lead. And it kind of like set off the entire chain of events that we saw in the second half. The Jets struggled to execute with big plays down the field. They did a great job of containing Buffalo for the most part, but they were not good enough. Buffalo better, but I had some concerns about the Bills watching this game. The Bills cannot, and maybe this is because I couldn't cover a nine and a half point spread. The Bills cannot run the ball to end the game. Like Singletary and Cook, they, they, they can't do it. And the Jets almost took advantage of that. They got the stop. Now, fourth and one, I would have gone there. And I'm not just talking from a point spread standpoint. I don't know if you're going to get that close again. They end up getting the ball. They really couldn't do anything with 30 to 35 seconds left. And, and now, look, you didn't expect to win this game. Let, let's be real about this. The Jets were a nine and a half to a 10 point underdog going into Sunday. You know your defense is legit. Wasn't its best defensive performance of the year. There are things you need to clean up. But in the second half, once again, they did the job. Offensively speaking, got to get off to a faster start. That's been a problem now for the Jets in back-to-back weeks. They got off to a slow start against the Vikings last week. Got going in the second half. Way too slow a start. And I know the conditions and I know the elements were in play in this game against the Buffalo Bills. But that cannot be the case Sunday when you're taking on the Detroit Lions. You learned about your team. You can play. You can compete. But you're a notch below. Mine are notch below, but you're a notch below. You got to hope this quarterback is good to go. You saw the difference with Mike White in the game and Joe Flacco in the game. And we have seen the difference in the Jet offense with Mike White at the helm compared to Zach Wilson at the helm. Gets the ball out quick. He's getting Garrett Wilson and Mims and Elijah Moore involved. And it's just a far more functional and it is a far more competent offense. The fact that he went back into the game Sunday leads me to believe he's going to be all right to play this game against Detroit next week. We'll see about those tests and the results and everything that comes with it. But you need Mike White. And for the Jets, listen, at 7-6, and six, and we're taping this before Sunday Night Football, where we'll know the result probably of the Dolphin-Charger game. I'm either going to be in a real good mood or a real pissy mood. If you're a Jet fan and you listen to this, you want the Dolphins to win. The division is dead for the Jets. It's about getting into the playoffs, and you want the Chargers behind you, and you want the Patriots behind you. So you're a big Dolphin fan, I believe, but you're a bigger Arizona Cardinal fan come Monday night. 
you are a big Cardinal fan knowing that the Pats have that head-to-head tiebreaker over the Jets. But for the Jets, look, Detroit at home, Jacksonville at home, who will be spunky. Jets are better, but they're going to be in that game with Peterson and with Trevor Lawrence. That impressive win at Tennessee today. At the Seahawks, at the Dolphins. If you want to be firmly in the playoffs, you got to go 3-1 and one in that stretch. And I think the good news for the Jets, based upon what I've seen, I think they can do it. I think 3-1 and one over the next four is very manageable. It's very gettable. It's very doable. You just got to hope that Mike White is going to be able to give it to them. So, interesting day in New York football. One team showed they could play with the big boys. Hang with the big boys. The other team, nowhere close. After watching that, if I'm a Giant fan, I'm almost saying to myself, do I really want to be in the playoffs? Of course you do. But you end up playing a team like San Francisco. Can you imagine what San Francisco would do to the Giants? They'll wipe the floor with the Giants. Like, that is a game you do not want to see. Remember I said that. You don't want to see the Niners. That'd be a doozy. Big time doozy. Now, before we hit some voicemails right out of the gate, the Mets keep on keeping on. God bless Steve Cohen. I, I, I am envious, quite frankly, of what the Mets approach is now with this new ownership group. Money is no object. We saw that Thursday with Brandon Nimmo. We saw that with Justin Verlander. We saw it last year with Max Scherzer. And even though the Mets are way over the luxury tax, even though the Mets have the highest payroll now in all baseball, it was not going to get in the way of Kodai Senga. And what Kodai Senga is as a prospect, I have no idea. He's got high-level stuff. Does he have the command to be able to be a top-end starter in the big leagues? The jury, I think, is very much out on that. We're going to find out come April and May and June. But it's the sort of move that you like when you have the pockets that are as deep as the Mets. Like, you could have said, oh, you could sign a guy like Bassett. You know what he is. I think the upside for a guy like Sanga is higher than Bassett's. Maybe not as safe, but it's a worthwhile roll of the dice by a franchise that's not going to let money get in the way. Smart business. It's practical business. So now the Mets roll into the year. Verlander, Scherzer. Senga, Quintana, Carrasco, McGill, and Peterson waiting in the wings. I like that. Bullpen with the addition of Robertson and Rayleigh from Tampa. Better, in my opinion. Here's where the Mets are status quo. The lineup. Now, if this Heyman report is true, that because of the connection with Lindor and, you know, their buddies on the WBC, Puerto Rican team, I'd love to. Listen, Correa for either one of these teams, I think would be a slam dunk. I love Correa. I know he's an Astro. The guy is a badass. The guy is clutch. You want to tell me he moves to third base? He's a bigger dude anyway. Like the Yankees and the Mets, in my opinion, should be making a call for Carlos Correa. At least see what the asking price is. They should. I do think realistically, though, it's more likely you see the likes of Alvarez and Beatty as the guys who really need to take a step forward to change the dynamic, the look, and the feel of the offense for the New York Mets. And I think that's what the Mets are hoping for. So you have that going on, and you're waiting on a big move for the Yankees. Apparently, there's one coming, according to Olney, according to Michael Kay. Now, what that is, they said bigger than Rodon. So what, what could that be? Is that Gallon Marte? Is that Corbin Burns? Is that Reynolds? I don't know what would equate a bigger move than that, to be honest with you. 
if it's trade. I really have no idea. But I hope it's something for the Yankees. Because much like the Mets, it's status quo. Like the Yankees right now are the same team they were at the end of October. Playoff team, 90-plus win team, not good enough to beat the Astros. So I want to see what work is going to be done between now and the start of the year. So we got a lot to get to. We'll get some voicemails. We'll run around the league. Uh, Interesting. Week 14. Not a great slate of games, especially in the 4 o'clock window. We'll get to that. Um, Voicemails, though, from you people. We love the people. They're coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. Losing day in New York football. Definitely feeling better about the Jets than the Giants, though. I mean, how can anyone say otherwise? The, the only thing you could feel better about from a Giants standpoint is that the NFC sucks. And the NFC does suck. I mean, you look at Seattle, they lose. Man, it is, it's the Eagles. The Niners, who got very lucky with this whole Debo Samuel scenario, does not look like it's going to be season ending. The Vikings, I mean, it's just not a great conference. The AFC is much better. But that's what the Giants have going. That's about it. All right, calls. Let's hear them. What's going on, JJ? It's Andrew from Brooklyn. Watching this absolute debacle of a Giants game. They're getting the doors blown off them. Philly looks like absolutely the superior team. There's an immense talent gap here between these two teams. I'm not even so much mad about this game today. I just wanted to take one second to say, screw you, Dave Gettleman. You screwed us. Terrible contracts, terrible drafting, put the team in absolute chaos. I feel like we're in good hands with the new regime, but we're still feeling the effects of Dave Gettleman. So just one more time, screw you, Dave Gettleman. Wow, I did not think that Dave Gettleman would make his way onto this podcast, but I guess when the Giants lose in humiliating and embarrassing fashion, the mistakes of the prior regime can rear its ugly head. And, you know, it's funny, we had Heifetz on, I want to say it was last week, and we're actually giving Gettleman, shockingly, some semblance of praise for some players that were panning out in his regime. A guy like Dexter Lawrence, for example. But yeah, the overall tenure was just nightmarish. And that's what Joe Shane and Brian Dable are trying to dig out of. And honestly, I thought there'd be a lot more days like today over the course of this Giants season. Like, you go back to the beginning of the year, I was like, all right, the Giants are going to be a better team. They'll be a more competitive team. I didn't think they were a playoff team. Going back to August and September, no way. And I thought they'd have a lot of days like this against tough like competition. This is the first game you've watched the Giants, and it's been like eye-opening how just overwhelmed they were from a talent standpoint. They were completely overwhelmed. They had no answers. And in some ways, it felt like Philadelphia could have went even more pedal to the metal, which is embarrassing to say, but it's true. The Eagles could have scored 60 points if they wanted to. With the way they were moving the ball, with the lack of answers that the Giants had, they could have put up 60. No doubt in my mind. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ, this is this is Jason the Bronx. Um, I'm just um, I'm walking outside. It's raining. It's cold. It's miserable. It's New York in December. Uh, 
watch the watch the Jets game. Um, not surprised at the outcome. There were there were there were probably like three or four plays that I think could have gone a little differently. Maybe the score's a little closer. The Michael Carter fumble was crippling. Um Mike F and White, that is his name from now on. Mike F and White. Uh getting hurt that first time and then the second time he got hurt. I thought like I'm like I'm convinced that he has like a cracked rib or something like that because that second tackle was absolutely brutal. And just the moxie for him to come to return into the game and play well. Unfortunately that Michael Carter fumble was just crippling. It, it, it hurt. But, you know, the Bills are the better team. You know, they had a lot of returning players on defense, which played a huge role into this outcome as well. So, you know, chalk it up to, you know, chalk it up to talent and um, a lot of injuries as well. You know, Quinn Williams, we lost him early. Corey Davis also got injured as well. You know, Mike White missed a couple of plays and, you know, there was a Flacco throw that I think Mike White probably completes as Flacco was coming into the game cold. Uh, you know, it, you know, like I don't, I don't really want to call this a moral victory, but you know, the team showed a lot of moxie and Mike F and White, I mean, like, how can they, how can Coach Salah even, you know, say that, uh, for Wilson to come out or for, you know, for Wilson to even have a chance to play this season. I mean, unless he's injured, which I think he should be suited up at this point. Like, I don't think Flacco should be considered the backup anymore. Let's give it to Zach Wilson. And if he comes in and plays, if Mike White gets hurt, that's really the only way I can see him playing on the field. What do you think? Love the show. Thank you. Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. The only... I don't even think if Mike White's done for the year, I'd want to see Zach Wilson. I think they'd go to Joe Flacco because they're trying to make the postseason at this point. Forget about that. Mike White, forget about Mike F and White. Mike Balls is steel white. For him to come back into that game multiple times. I mean, after the Milano hit, Rousseau hit him a bunch of times. I, I didn't think there was any chance in hell he was coming back into this game. He's a tough, tough kid. He has done the best job of leading this offense. The quarter fumble really hurt. I think the Mosley offside play was a bigger play in the game, though. Because it changed the entire feel, flow, and rhythm of the game. That's a nothing-nothing game going in the locker room. It's a totally different game, in my opinion. Buffalo being able to kind of dictate the terms, even after giving up the bad night touchdown, it hurt the Jets. It absolutely hurt the Jets. And you just got to hope that Mike White's going to be able to play. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think it's going to be a lot of pain tolerance. You've seen Justin Herbert play with the ribs all beat up this year. Josh Allen's clearly playing hurt. That's kind of the MO. It's life in the NFL, week 15 and week 16. You got to play through a bunch of injuries. So thankfully, Mike White, for Jeff fans, avoided disaster because that could have been disaster with a couple of those hits. And him coming back, yeah, it, Romo nailed it. Listen, I, I, I know Romo gets a hard time with some people because he makes a gazillion dollars and people are jealous. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. They're incredibly jealous of the life that Tony Romo lives, but that was great. He's like, Daniel LaRusso is going to fight? Come on, man. I loved it. I loved it. All right, who's next? JJ, what's going on? Steve from Massachusetts here. I know it's football Sunday. I know you're going to be taking on football calls today, but I actually wanted to talk about some bets with Brandon Nimmo real quick and 
I'm, I'm a Mets fan, full disclosure. I listened to your whole pod about uh, Aaron Judge and how, you know, the Yankees couldn't re-sign Judge uh, or couldn't not re-sign Judge and instead replace him with Nimmo. Totally valid, totally true. And even when I first heard the interview with Patton where you said, where he said $140 million for Nimmo, I was taken aback. But I think as a Mets fan and as somebody who, you know, likes Nimmo and likes what he brings to the, the team and it, it, I think he's a huge part of the Mets' success. Um, I, I think that the $160 million over eight years is not as bad as if they did something like $150 million over five or $150 million over six. And I know, you know, those last two years might hurt. But Nimmo's a guy, I know he's injury prone, but he's also a guy who's not, his body's not, I think, prototypical to breaking down like a judge or, you know, some of these other guys in pool holes, like, He's only fine until he's 38. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think they actually had to keep him also, considering the fact that the other guys available are Kevin Kiermeyer and God knows who else. It's just not a replaceable player. They need to keep Nimmo. And I think when you're as rich as Steve Cohen, you can afford to do, you know, the overpayment on a guy and the extra years on a guy because in 2027 and 2028, $20 million for Brandon Nimmo might not be, like, it might not be too bad. You look at Bryce Harper's contract, it's not that bad. And even Stan, you know, I know he's got five years left on it or whatever, but getting him at $25 million, it's not that bad. So all things considered, I think the Mets had to do it. I know it's a lot of money. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bargain. But I just think when you have as much money as Cohen, you have as much of a need as the Mets, you have no option but to give Nimmo what he wants. And, you know, good for him. He deserves it. But, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, all things considered, the Nimmo deal being worth it for the Mets. All right, JJ, love the show. Uh, talk to you later. Listen, the Mets were in a position where Brandon Nimmo was able to maximize what he brought to the table last year. He had his best season of his career. He's in a walk year. There were no good center fielders. That's the reality. No good center fielders, walk year, and the Mets, it's a lot like Judge from a standpoint of, there was no viable alternative to the Yankees in replacing Aaron Judge. There was no viable center field alternative for the Mets and Brandon Nimmo. What would they? I talked to Met people. They told me, JJ, you don't want to play Marte in center field. Because that's what I said. I said, wouldn't you be able to play Marte and get away with Marte in center field? They're like, no. His body will break down. He won't be able to do it. I'm going to trust those guys. They know the ins and outs of their team very, very well. So a couple of Met people told me that. Like, high up met people. Well, I was like, okay. Now, Nimmo over eight years, this is where I disagree. The guy has only played more than 100 games twice in his career, in 2018 and 2022. So the idea of he's injury prone, that he's not injury prone is nonsense. He's injury prone. But I understand your point about the Mets needing to do this, knowing they have the resources of Steve Cohen. Why go cheap? And you're right. Like, in year five, year six, $20 million may not be that big of a deal. And the Mets can clearly eat that sort of contract if they need to. That's what helps. Do I think Nimmo is going to age well in six, seven, and eight? No, I do not. But I don't think you're worried about that. I'm not worried about it with Judge. And I think if you're a Mets fan, you're not worried about it with Nimmo. You're a win now team. Go win. All right, let's take one more. Let's hear it. JJ, Dave and Queen, 630 Sunday night before the Chargers Miami game. Or should I say the Miami Chargers game? Uh, basically a playoff game for both of us, more for me, more for my team, but playoff game for you essentially also. 
Let's do it. Herbert versus Tua, like we talked about pre-draft. This is it. This is the game. So far, you've had our number. You guys are having a great season. Tua's had the Chargers number. Let's get it done tonight for the Chargers side. Let's see how you guys do on your side and let the best man win tonight, JJ AFC battle, like it used to be. All right, buddy. And I'm on your side in the carton, um, BS. I thought your quotes were outstanding on regards to him. Great job, JJ. Be well, my man. Enjoy that game wherever you are, buddy. Well, I, Dave, I can't believe we're talking Dolphin Charger before the game, but listen. I wish you nothing but the best after this week. We're taping this before Sunday Night Football, so that way I can have a couple of cocktails and go yell and scream for my guy Tua. And if you're a Jet fan, listen, division is over for the Jets. It's over at six losses. Your best hope for the playoffs, get the Chargers down a peg or two. Get them out and get the Patriots down. Then you got nothing to worry about. I think you're a big Dolphin fan if you're a Jet fan tonight. Uh, and the tour Herbert comparison is going to be everywhere. I, I, I love it. I can't wait to watch this game tonight. I have a lot to say. Come tomorrow on the Monday Night Pod and and Tuesday and on and on we go. But you know, it's a win win scenario. For me. Get a pod done early, and I get to watch my team on Sunday Night Football. Life is good. All right. So coming up, I figured we welcome in a guy who is one of my favorites. He hasn't been on the pod forever, but he's a big Bills fan. He knows New York well. Mike Carver. Does all the picks with me. He's a big Isles guy, as you know. But we'll have some fun with Bill's Jets with Carver High. He's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This guy's going to be giddy. His football team finds a way. It wasn't pretty, but his defense basically sent Mike White to the hospital. Not basically. They did send Mike White to the hospital. Mike Carver, who you know from SportsGrid, He's our gambling guy. He's a big Isles guy. You know, Stefan Carver did not know that you were a big Buffalo's Bills fan. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, how does yeah. Stefan not know this? Come on now. I, I think it's because I've been, I, I don't know. I, I definitely the last few times I've come on with you, I haven't really been the big pom-pom waiver for Bill. You And me and you have talked about this private, you know, chats and whatever in the past. I still can't really wrap my head around them being a favorite to win the Super Bowl. Like maybe it was the 18 years of getting my head kicked in and them being so awful. I still just can't grasp that since August, they've been a team that everybody's like, oh, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl this year. The Bills are going. I'm just not, I can't comprehend it, JJ. I think that's why I don't do the pom-poms much, but I'm doing them today, baby. We're doing right, them I totally today. get that. Listen, you find a way, you get revenge against the Jets. But this theme with the Bills is interesting because for you, for years, you were waiting to get back into the postseason. You were waiting to go and win a playoff game. You've now done that. You've been in the playoffs the last couple of years. But let's be real, Carver. 
if you don't get to the Super Bowl this season, you're going to be shaking your head. You're going to be saying, what the hell? I don't care how great Josh Allen may be. You're kind of at a point now with the Buffalo Bills where it's like, shit, we got to go and get to a Super Bowl, for goodness sakes. Let's go here. They got to get there. Uh, And and you know what? They have taken, you know, the steady climbs. What you want to see from a team that was awful forever. Draft a quarterback. Takes him a couple of years. He starts to get good. Makes the playoffs for the first time. Loses a crushing game in the wild card round to Houston. Goes the next year. Wins a couple games. You know, loses an AFC title game. Loses again to Mahomes on the road both times. The steps are there, JJ. And now they need to ascend to that next level, which is they got to be in Glendale. And they've now got four games left to go. They're in the driver's seat for what they absolutely have to have. They need these games in Orchard Park. If the Bills have to go to Arrowhead for the third January in a row, JJ, you notice. I don't think they'll get it done. I, I just weird things happen to them in January at that place. Thirteen seconds, not winning a coin toss, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't want to see it again. Okay, I don't blame you. My only counter with that, not necessarily Arrowhead, but your team as a whole. Yeah, you can't run the football. No, Josh Allen can run the football, but when you have a lead, and that was a problem in this Jet game today, and I learned the hard way. I had the Bills laying nine and a half. You Couldn't can't pick up get a couple downs. of first downs Couldn't running do the football to go and win the game. Could you make the argument, Carver, that the Bills, because of the way they are built, which is this aerial, high-powered, offensive well, attack, yeah. you're almost in a way, it's weird because you're a Buffalo team and the quarterback can throw through anything, but you're almost they're, a dome team in many ways, dude. You really they're, are. They're not built for their, for their stadium. They're not. It's very bizarre to say. I agree with you. There are fans, JJ, of the Bills who feel this new stadium that they're building in Buffalo should have a dome on it just because of Josh Allen and the way that their offense runs right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in that thought. You don't I, want you that listen. in Western New York. You, you play in Buffalo. The, you, you, the, yeah. the elements and coming to that stadium is supposed to be an identity for your team, but you're right. It is not for this team. And that's why the joke was a couple of weeks ago when they moved that snow game from Buffalo oh, to I Detroit said it. I said it was an advantage for your team. Against Cleveland, it was advantage. a huge advantage because I, I told you on Friday, I was like, man, uh, you know, Cleveland's going to go in there. If this if there's, you know, six feet of snow out there, they're going to pound the rock with Chubb and Hunt and the Bills are going to be in trouble in this game. Move the game to Detroit inside the track. But, but here's the bigger thing that is hanging over the Bills right now. We talk about high-octane offense. It's been gone, JJ, since Allen hurt his arm. They are not the same team that they were earlier this season, last January. You know, that furious finish in Kansas City where Allen did everything he could possibly do to get that team past the Chiefs and the defense and the head coach let him down. He doesn't look like that player right now, and he hasn't looked like that player since halftime of the Packer game, which was the week before the loss to the Jets. And I know we point to that and him hurting the arm at the end of that Jet game at MetLife. Their offense hasn't looked the same. I thought last week he made a couple of throws where I was like, all right, he's coming out of it in that Thursday night game against the Pats. I, I call it the elements today. Maybe tip your cap to the Jet defense. Again, I didn't see high-powered Bills offense out there. So that scares you more than the loss of Von Miller for the remainder of the year? Uh, I, uh, yeah. Uh, if they can't be the offense that they're supposed to be, then I think that's a bigger problem than not having Von. And Von hurts. 
when he went on his, his podcast before he had this surgery and said, oh, I'm going to miss a week and then I'm going to try to get back out there. That bothered me. I would have rather put him in the bubble wrap and wait till January. They gave him all that money to go get quarterbacks in the playoffs. To, not go, to go and beat Mahomes. That, that's, that's what it. they did. They, he, he, was, he was brought in to chase down Mahomes, Burrow, and whoever else, whether it be Tua or whoever, this year in January. That's who he was paid to come in and get. He's not going to be there now. But the, and, and here's the other part, JJ. I, everybody thought that Gabe Davis was going to take this big jump. He's done nothing. Carver, he's done had nothing. one good game. He's got, he's, got, he's, he's got a couple of long touchdowns. He drops a lot of passes. He doesn't have eye-popping numbers. And Diggs can't go 10 for 125 every week. You just can't, can't do it. You play better defenses like you saw against the Jets, and it's just not going to happen. McKenzie's, you know, he's a slot guy. He's in and out. They needed another weapon, and that's why I feel like the Bills are probably a little bit more in on Beckham than uh, people realize right now. I feel like they are the sleeping giant in the whole Beckham situation. So I wanted to have you on because you have this New York perspective, you have this Buffalo Bills perspective, and you're going up against a team that you and I talk a whole lot about in the New York Jets. And let's be honest, Carver, they've been an afterthought for the last, I don't know, eight, no nine question. years where they've been totally irrelevant. No doubt. Again, I watched them play today. Dude, I was impressed. I, I mean, they were a well-coached team. The defense played really well. They had the one mistake with C.J. Mosley at the end of the first half, which absolutely killed them. And I don't know how this quarterback didn't leave the game on a stretcher. I know he yeah. ended up going to the hospital, but my goodness, he's got balls for coming back and getting into that game, dude. I, I was super impressed with White, uh, just with, with the hits that he was taking against Buffalo. The Milano hit, J.J. I mean, just absolutely laid him out. That's the one where he then went to the locker room, comes back. You know, you got Romo with the whole Daniel Roos is going to fight on when he came out of the tunnel. I've been very impressed with the Jets, JJ. They are a lot closer than they've been uh, since the, the big the Rex two... Rex Ryan days, the two, over the a two, decade. The two Rex Ryan years, uh, the back-to-back AFC title games. They, they have not been this close since then. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. They're 7-6 and six now. We'll see how things shake out. You know, uh, the Pats could get to seven and six Monday night. Uh, we'll see about the Chargers. You know, things, other things like that. But I think they get in. I think they probably lose their first game wherever they go. But what a jump of improvement for the Jets. Yes, JJ, they impressed me. But let's not go nuts about the division. I know Joe was telling you a week or two ago, Joe. Maybe they can win the division. Well, not I this think year, the Jeff Joe. Can, I, I think the Jeff Bank can put that to bed. And listen, we are taping this before Sunday Night Football. The Dolphin result against the Chargers basically dictates to me if they're going to be in play for the division for the remainder of the year. If they lose this game to the Chargers, Mike, even if they go to Buffalo and win next Sunday and they have the tiebreaker, they're still going to be a full game back. So Miami has to win this game Sunday in order to win the division. Look, this is a game Saturday night. I know me and you, heads up, uh, Bills, Dolphins, I think the league screwed you guys playing a Sunday night game oh, in Los Angeles time. and big having you and, and having you turn around and play Saturday night in Buffalo, your third road game in a row in what's going to be, as you know, uh, I mean, they're going to be gassed up. I mean, those night games in Buffalo, they are. And especially not gassed for up Bill's Dolphins, time. no love lost. Lost there. to them already. This is the similar spot with the Jets today. Bills are coming in. Revenge spot in the division. Uh, it's just, I think it's going to be a bad spot for the Dolphins, JJ, on Saturday night. Uh, I, I don't just, disagree with that. And as we tape this right now, I hope that the Dolphins take care of business against the yes, Chargers to yes. take a little of that pressure off. Um, yes. Isn't it nice that this division now is a legit rock fight? 
compared to years past, Carver, where it was the New England show for the better part of 17 yeah. years. You have the Bills and what they've done over the last few years, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, the Patriots. Hopefully they can remain in last place for the that's remainder what I of the want. year, dude. I like that's that. what I want, and that's something that we can all agree on. Whether you're a Bills fan or a Dolphins fan or a Jets fan, even giant fans who listen to you here on New York, New York, JJ, everybody. It's the world is a better place that they're just going to get a few years in the cellar. Like, it wouldn't it just be so nice? It really would. 20 years of dominance, the greatest team ever, Belichick and Brady, all the, you know, throw them all the bouquets. It was the greatest run in the history of the NFL. Time to sit down for a little while. Yeah, take a couple time, plays off. Time That'd to take nice. a couple plays off and let everybody else eat for a few years. I like just, the sound of that. Just let everybody else eat for a little bit, all right? About Arizona, get it to them on Monday night, JJ. Let's uh, go. Sign me up right now, and I think <laughs> the books are begging you to take New England, and I would go the other way here. Um, and a lot of times when you get lines like that, it usually works out that way. Yes. Cover, I'm very worried about the Giants. I know yeah. your focus was the Bills and the Jets. No, I was that watching. Was, dude, that was, I mean, you want to talk about non-competitive? That was men against boys. That was like putting Alabama and Bear Bryant against a Pop Warner football team, for goodness sakes. And, dude, I'm wondering when Monday rolls around and FanDuel has the make-miss playoffs. Cover, I think the Giants are going to be like plus 240 to make the playoffs after that game, dude. I do. Uh, that was, and look, I know the Eagles are the best team in the NFC this year. That was a gutless effort. I mean, JJ. the Eagles could have put up 60 points if they wanted to, dude. That was. They could have. That was a gutless effort from the Giants on Sunday. They gave you nothing in that game at home against the Eagles. Zero. And I don't want to hear all this. Well, the focus is Sunday night in Washington. The focus is it. You're running out of games now. And you had a nice cushion. You've had a rough couple of weeks. And now you got to turn it on. I mean, this is it. You've got three of your last four games on the road. Massive Sunday night game. And, and here's the one thing that they got going for them, JJ. I think the tie is going to help them. I, I, I think might, the tie, but that requires. It, but here's it, the problem with that, though, Mike. Yeah. That requires them to go and win another game or two. Which, by it, the if, way, I don't know if they're certain to do that. I really they, don't. If they win the Washington game on Sunday night, which they'll get in. They'll, they'll get, get in. in. But here's another Washington two week. You know, extra time. They had a late buy, which is so crucial now in the NFL. They get the late buy. I mean, they got to go to Minnesota. They got the Colt. They see that, and the Colt game is the other one, JJ. They have to win that Can't game. Can't lose that game at home. Can't lose that game. And will the Eagles care in Week 18 at the link? Because Eagles could have one seed. Week could off. Could get Gardner Minshew. Could, Robert, could get here's the Gardner problem. Min you could they, get Gardner Minshew, and they still could beat the Giants. <laughs> Not as fair. They could. JJ. I mean, am fair. I serious? They might fair. be favored in that game. But here's the other thing: teams that get the buy sometimes don't like sitting their guys in the last game because then that's two weeks that they don't play. Yeah, where they fly. So, totally so, so now if if you were playing a team that you know doesn't isn't going to get the buy, like like we know the Niners or the Vikings, they might play their guys. You know, they might sit all their guys because they don't have that buy. The Eagles are going to have a buy. They might not sit their guys. And do they want to knock the Giants out if that's there for them? It's, it's, it's going to be it's a fascinating very couple It's weeks. very possible. And mark my words on this, the Giants will be underdogs. I say by more than a field goal against the Commanders on oh, Sunday. More than, I mean, they were they were dogs at home against them. Yeah, I'm betting. And now, and now you're getting the extra rest. Extra a rest Giants and the Giants losing by 40 points. Yeah. That's going to be, JJ, if me and you, we'll, we'll do a little, uh, we'll do a little Bill, uh, Cousin Sal here right now. That's nice. going to be, guess the line, that's going to be, I think Commander the, by six command, and a half. 
I was going to say five and a half, but you're probably right. Six between five so and a half and six and a half. So basically, beers on the winner. I like the sound yeah, of that. Barbara. Yeah, there you go. Little little guess the lines game from Bill and Uncle Sal, right? Uh, just for our two friends. who <laughs> will be taping later on tonight. Um, before we say goodbye, your yeah. Islanders. It was a lost year a season ago. The schedule absolutely sure screwed was. you. Um, where do we stand? You know, you're Mr. Hockey. This is your team. Yeah. I know you got your hands in a lot of different cookie jars right now. You're doing NFL handicapping, college football handicapping. Are you okay with where the Islanders are at a couple weeks before Christmas? They have been better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, they're 17 and 12 right now. If you would have told me that in, uh, you know, the first week of October, I probably would have signed up for it. They've had some losses lately that are very concerning, whether it be, um, a no-show performance Saturday night against Carolina at home. They had St. Louis and Nashville last week in their building on the second night of back-to-backs for the visiting team, and they lost both of those games. I thought that those were uninspiring performances, but you know they beat the Devils on Friday night, and the Devils have been the best team in that division so far, surprisingly as well. Uh, I think the Islanders are a playoff team, but there's a lot of good teams in that division, JJ, and I know when you really start to get into it, once we get to February and March, I'm interested to see if all the teams that are still bunched in there right now, Devils, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Islanders, Rangers, you know, all those teams are there. It's going to be tough for all of them to make it into the playoffs. Uh, so we'll see if there's some more separation in the next few months. Well, Mikey, I look forward to those hockey conversations. I know we'll break down the college football playoff in a couple of weeks. I'll let, yes. you, I'll let you get in the lab. I don't need the picks now a month before. Week no, we'll before do, the games, you will come yeah. on and we'll do it proper. Okay? We'll, we'll, we'll do it all. Right, We'll do the two semis and all the big ones. Uh, it's You can't do it now. Like these guys, JJ, you they're don't even just know jumping, who's playing. They're jumping no off the ship. Like you got, no, it's just, it's so silly. That's why the bowl pool is dead. You said this to me the other day. The, the traditional bowl pool. It's there's it's pointless because all the lines change, all the guys sit. It's awful. But I'll I'll give you I'll drop you the breadcrumb right now. I think Michigan's gonna win the whole thing. I'm dropping you the breadcrumb right. Uh, I think Michigan's gonna win the whole thing. I don't think that's, that's outrageous. I think at that, all. that I know that that's not listen. I'm not picking TCU. I understand yeah. that. No, if you but, said that, but, I I, but like, I'll let you. But I'll let you know. And and I think we could get uh, the rematch in the final. I think we could get Ohio State Michigan. Well, I think that line at Ohio State only getting six and a half against Georgia tells you all you need to know about that game. Telling. Very telling. I think that tells you to take the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm with you. But we'll do a full, uh, we'll get into it completely the week of the game. We'll do it. Mike Carver, one of the greats. He's celebrating his Bills win uh, next week. It's on. I'm looking forward to it. I don't even want to start talking trash yet because no, let's uh, the see. Dolphins <laughs> have a game to play. So, <laughs> uh, play before I start talking trash, they got to beat the Chargers. Buddy, uh, Merry Christmas. We'll talk during the bowl season. Love you, pal. Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you soon. That's a great Mike Carver. We'll wrap it up with a bang right after this. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, a couple of quick hitters around the league. Uh, number one, I'm disgusted that I lost that Cleveland bet today. Absolutely disgusted that I lost that Cleveland bet today. They gave Cincinnati about three first downs. Deshaun Watson stunk. The fourth down throw in an 80 yard, they're throwing it 30 yards down the field. 
Higgins and Boyd get knocked out of the game, and the Browns still can't cover five and a half. I'm salty about that game. But Cincinnati keeps rolling. Cincinnati now is nine and four. And with the injuries for Baltimore, I know they got by the Steelers, but with Jackson out another week and now Hundley concussed, I think Cincinnati is the team that we should be looking at as the favorite to win that AFC North. And it's not even close, in my opinion. If we're talking about a team that's more likely to make noise come playoff time, it is an easy call for me. It is the Bengals over the Ravens by a wide and a significant, significant margin. I am proud of my Lion pick. 34-23 over the Minnesota Vikings. Goff was fabulous once again. The Vikings made their classic late rally. You had some weird coaching from O'Connell going for too late in the game. Didn't really understand that. A little too nerdy, if you ask me. The Lions now, listen to their schedule. After this Jet game coming up, and at 6-7 and seven with a win over the Giants, they are very much alive. Now, they lost to Seattle, which will hurt them. At the Jets, at the Panthers, who have a pulse in the NFC South, believe it or not. Home Chicago at Lambeau to close out the year. Can the Lions get to nine? I think there's a path for the Lions, quite frankly, to find their way to nine. The Bucs got absolutely embarrassed by the Niners. They're not even in the same stratosphere. I nailed that game. We were dead wrong, dead wrong, dead wrong on that Browns game. We were dead right on the Niners game. Didn't matter if it was Purdy against Brady. One through 53, they weren't on the same stratosphere as teams. And the Niners dodged a major bullet, it looks like, with Debo Samuel. Hurt. Going to miss some time, but not a season ender. Chiefs barely got by the Broncos. Good call by Beningo on that pick. That game was close. It was tight. After Kansas City went up 27-0. Scary moment for Russell Wilson late in the game. Weird no-show from the Titans today. Very, very weird no-show from the Titans today. 36-22 Jacksonville over Tennessee. Tennessee is a team. Mark my words on this. They will be an underdog no matter who they play wildcard weekend. I don't care if the game's at home or not. They're going to be an underdog in that game. They are trending in the wrong direction. Offensive line issues. Tannehill's not any good. Like, th- that's a team you... I, I don't care if Rabel's there. That's a team you want to play in the playoffs. Good win for the Panthers today. That was definitely a good thing if you're a fan of the New York Giants. Geno Smith was clearly off his mark, and then Seattle could not get a stop at the end of the game. Good win for Carolina. Um, and the Cowboys, a little too close for comfort with the Texans today. But the Texans are the Texans. They're going to find a way to lose. Biggest winner of the day? I- I'm going to say it's Detroit, Cincy, and I'm going to say the Niners because they held on to Debo Samuel and they smoked the Buccaneers. Niners are really good. I mean, the Niners and the Eagles. The Eagles are one and the Niners are two as far as teams in the NFC. And that's even with the Garoppolo injury, might I add. All right, trivia time. Larry, I'm ready for you, baby. Let's go, Poppy. Larry in Florida. JJ, here we go. Who's the last team to draft back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners? Second question is, since 2016, two guys have 200 or more stolen bases. Who are they? I'm out. The last team to draft back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. Man, that is a tough question. I mean, you got to figure it's an awful team and you got to figure it's a team that went skill positions both times, right? It's got to be. Back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. 
My, oh, my. I want to say it's the Lions. I do, but I, I don't know. This is a really, really tough question. I, like, don't even... There are times, like, you kind of have an idea where you're going to go with these trivia questions. I don't even have the slightest freaking clue to where I'm going with this particular... Oh, I think I know, actually. I think I know. Is it the Tennessee Titans with Mariota and Derrick Henry? Let's go! Sometimes it takes a little zen. And I had no freaking clue. That was a... That was... Wow. It just came to me. What can I say? Moment is then it just came to me. Since 2016, 200 stolen bases. Trey Turner, one down, one to go. Ronald Acuna. I didn't think so. Because his first year was 2018. I didn't think so. This is tough. Finding a guy with 200 stolen bases. Not easy here. Mookie Betts. Definitely not Trout. He misses way too much time. 200 plus stolen bases. I don't even know where to go here. I mean, maybe I'll find another moment where I can pull it out of my rear end. Javier Baez. I need a hint here, Stefan, or I'm totally screwed. He's a local guy. I'll give you this. He plays for one of our local teams. Local guy. Local guy. Now I'm annoyed. It's not Lindor. Jeez Louise. Starling Marte. Would not have thought that, but it makes sense. Had a bunch of big years with stolen bases with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that one was a little bit more of a struggle, Larry, but you know what? We found a way. I need a little help from Stefan, but we found a way. All right, before we say goodbye, and before I say my prayers and light my candle for Tua tonight, uh, Jeff Money, Monday Night Football, the floor is yours. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper fix would be for tomorrow, Monday, the 12th, the Monday Night Football game. Now, you already know what I like. I'm going with the New England Patriots. Minus the one and a half on the road over the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to go, go with the Patriots. As far as the one o'clock hour, I was one and two on the one o'clock hour, but I did hit my money play, my main play with the Bengals. And again, you hit your best bet with the Lions. Very good. So let's see what goes on for Monday night. Okay, JJ, everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Yeah, Money, I think this line stinks. I really do. And I think Arizona, for whatever the reason, is the side. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's true. I will be on the Arizona Cardinals tonight, and I'll be holding my nose. That's what it boils down to. And I know if you're a Jeff fan, rooting hard for those Arizona Cardinals. We'll be back on Tuesday. We got the quarterback of the Giants, Daniel Jones. The Giants, Sunday Night Football in desperate need of a win. The Jets and the Lions. Could you? Who would have imagined in their right mind that the Jets and the Lions would be a more key game next Sunday. That's where we're at. Fabulous job by Stefan. Until Tuesday, JJ signing off. Be good, everybody.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 